0: The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to a counselor's point of view. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. We welcome our online podcasters. I thank those of you last week who sent me emails. I had a feeling that the last message was going to be a challenge to a lot of people because when we talk about the true definition of friendship versus the world's definition of friendship, there's going to be responses. Someone please tell our body this morning exactly what the Hebrew definition of friendship is. Let's do a little review. It's an exchange of identities. In order to be friends with someone, you have to take and accept the identity of the person standing in front of you and you have to give them your identity. But there's a problem with that. If you're an indwell believer, you can receive their identity and it will corrupt you. And you can be giving your identity to them and they're not going to receive it because the Spirit of the Living God doesn't live in them and there's nothing in them that wants to receive your identity. Do you understand the problem we have here in friendship with the world? Okay, I need someone to turn to the book of James chapter 4 and please read the first six verses for us nice and loud. I need to have my podcasters hear this. This is James chapter 4, the first six verses of this book. This is going to help launch us because we're going to shift from the last two messages of friendship, what it means, to now a worldly concept of relationships. Strong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives great Okay, now let's put this in perspective. I can only appeal to you guys sitting here, young or old, I can only appeal that you take just a few moments of your entire life and just try to get this picture. Someone answer the most obvious question that is left with us in this passage, and that is, does God bring his enemies into the kingdom of God? Partnership with the world will put you as an enemy of God, and an enemy of God will not give you any permission or pathway or granting to enter into the kingdom of God. Here's the reality. I want you to look around the room right now. I did a quick survey last week between sermons to be able to say this. And I did a quick survey of the number of people that are in this room. Just take your eyes and make sure that your eyes look at everyone in the room. Just go ahead and do that right now. Marcos, what is today's date? August 3rd. 2014. Two people will be dead next year by this time, in this group. Two people in this group will be dead. Now that's statistics. That's what's happening in our world today. People are not living as long. People are not be able to, being able to claim the prosperity doctrines of life and add additional life, days, years to their existence by worldly ways of trying to advance their life all the more. That's sobering to me. I could be one of them. You see, th- that, that's a very sobering number. The, the thing I'm driving at is we have the tendency, podcast listeners, listen very carefully. We have the tendency to think and function in assumptions of the living God. We assume He's okay with things, He's not. Where does this God of assumption come from? Who is this God of assumption? The enemy. Jess, read that passage again about the enemy. Listen very carefully. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The components in this verse are what? Just kind of throw them out there. For our podcast listeners, Jess, this passage is James what? four. four. four, four. Okay, so those of you who are listening, if you have your Bible handy, please open it up to this passage. This is so critical when it comes to understanding the purpose of relationships. Because many people blow this off. Some of you are blowing it off right now. It's too much for you. I know a young man who is literally evaluating whether he should receive Christ because of the relationships he will have to sacrifice. Right, Marcos? Someone that we're working with? They, They literally base whether they should receive Christ on the conservative elements of Christ. This is huge. So yes, listeners, if you have your Bibles, grab your Bible, open your Bible up, If you have an NIV Bible, I'm asking you to close that Bible and put it aside. Because they've messed with these scriptures where they don't communicate exactly what traditional translations have communicated. But open it up to James chapter 4, verse 4, and and write down a summary of what this verse means to you. I want someone in this group to please give me a summary of that verse. Friends with the world is an enemy of God. Fourth graders can make the connection that enemies don't go into heaven where God lives. Fourth graders can can figure that connection out. But not adults for some reason. What's happened to us? So the adults are making friendships with the world who are literally run by demonic doctrines but not fourth graders. They're actually figuring it out. Asking the right questions. Let's take a look at this in detail. Here's the purpose of relationships. God created us to be placed in tribes. What's a tribe? Okay, group of like-minded individuals. A tribe is, is like one of the 12 tribes and each tribe has how many leaders leading the tribe? One. one. Not plurality. One. This tribal leader becomes the model for families within the tribe. These families become a model for the world. So thus God created us to be placed in tribes, families, communities, which comes from commune, oneness, fellowships, which is what's going on here this morning, small groups, it's if we broke this group up into smaller groups, and then even nations. These little boundary lines with the little dotted lines that the Antichrist is trying to erase for one world government, are put there for a reason by God tribes preserve; they create boundary lines for cultures they create boundary lines for blood lineage and the Antichrist is trying to get this map of seven continents no lines on on countries or whatever there's just going to be a leader of each continent in the world How many continents are there? There's seven. This is all in the book of Revelation. There won't be dotted lines around countries anymore. They're trying to dissolve the colony acts. They're trying to remove these boundary lines so that Satan himself knows and understands that God thinks in tribes. God thinks in families. God thinks in communities. God thinks in nations. Abraham was told by the living God what in regard to nations? father nations. Father of nations. Many nations. All the nations. There's two sons that came from this father Abraham. Those two sons are? Isaac and Ishmael. What are the two primary cultures in the world today? Arabic and, Jewish. Arabic and Jewish. Islam and Hebrew for me, but modern terms, the Jewish people. What happens to Christians? Aren't we in there somewhere? We're grafted into the Jews. Stay with me on this, and those of you who are fascinated by the Revelation series, you understand what I'm talking about here, because there's going to be two primary groups remaining in this battle. It will be the descendants of Ishmael versus the descendants of Isaac. And these two tribal groups are going to come at each other, and we're going to have a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And you won't see this passive emergent Jesus that we have hanging on on the walls in most of our churches today. You're going to see a very active Savior, husband, on a horse, white horse, fully clothed in color of of his father's royalty, drawn sword, fire in his eyes, and he's coming to pick on anyone who attempted to turn his bride into being friends with the world the world is filled with demonic doctrines and the enemy has one thing in mind and that is to get the indwelt Christian the indwelt child of God the indwelt very bride of Christ to become friends with demonic people that's all it's going to take and that's what we got going on here so stay with me with this Those of you who are listening online, please go back to where you got the podcast and click on that PDF so you can see the exact slides we're seeing today. So all this is for the single purpose of dependence within the body of Christ. We have tribes, families, communities, and nations to create dependence on Christ. If you take the boundary lines away and the act of dependence is gone. The field is too large. You have to go a long, 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 long way before you hit the boundary line or structure that is imposed upon you. Do you understand the concept? The tighter the structure, the faster the growth. The less structure, the less growth. And that's what we're dealing with here. In Genesis, the Lord reveals to us one of the more significant simple truths of this design. So let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. Of course, that's going to be interpreted whatever way you want today. But the Hebrew word alone is libadal, Bad, which is where we as the English-speaking country get the word bad. So alone is literally translated out in the Hebrew as bad. It is not good for man to be bad. So how in the world would Satan form badness in somebody? Separation. I want to give you another little quickie, but one of the words in the Hebrew and in the Greek of definition of hell is what do you think? Alone. Why do you go to hell? Because you're bad. Why do you go to hell? It's because you're alone. What are you going to have to pay for your sins forever and ever and ever if you never receive Jesus Christ? Aloneness. Aloneness is also the result of separation, it's like a divorce. You rip that flesh into two pieces of flesh, and that creates aloneness. Just ask someone who's been divorced, they'll tell you. The pictorial definition is a nailed man of authority in the house or in his family. Meaning the man of his household who is without a family. He actually has a house. He's he's actually been given authority over this house, but there's no one to exercise his authority with. He's alone. That's how Hebrew God is communicating to his children, saying, you want to know what alone is? Alone is being Satan who is in charge of the entire world, and when he's finally dealt with and given his consequences, he has no one to lead. But there's millions and billions of people in the pit of hell he could lead, but God's not going to let him lead them. Does that not mess with your mind? Do you realize that 90% of every person born is probably going to end up in the pit of hell? That was ever born. Do you know the numbers of people just between Adam and the flood? And then Noah and Jesus Christ? And from Jesus Christ to today, we're talking billions of people that are going to be in the pit of hell, and this leader of this tribe will have no prerogative and ability and privilege to lead them. It's called aloneness. This is the way that God deals with a rebel man, is He makes him alone. He, he lets him taste the taste of not being able to have a family to lead, guide, direct, encourage, grow. It's what kept Adam mentally, spiritually alive. Why did God have Adam work first? First of all, Adam was actually created by a fistful of red dirt outside the garden. Check me on this if you think I'm wrong. Then he created the parameters, the structures, the dotted lines around the Garden of Eden structure. Then within that garden, he had one primary tree called the tree of life. He had another primary tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we have two leaders, one leader at the tree of life. What's his name? Yep, which also is Jesus Christ. It's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And over at the uh, tree of knowledge, who do we have sitting on those branches? Satan. Satan. Tribal leaders. Just two trees. If you think that there's some kind of third world view out there, and I know some of my world view brothers, I was even in a couple healthy discussions this week with some of them, where they one of them viewed that there were 21 primary world views. Not. There's two. Knowledge and spirit. Knowledge and spirit. That's the only worldviews that ever will be. We can add a bunch to each of those if we want, but it's just two primary worldviews. Adam was created outside the garden. Then the scriptures tell us that God put him in the garden to... Do what? To tend it. To work. Now he's in the garden working. Out of that working comes this aha where he realizes that he is alone. Even in his laboring, he's alone. And that is an aha that God wants every person to realize. You know, I may be work addicted, But I'm alone. The end result is I'm alone. That's what's happening here. God wanted Adam to come to the realization that it is not good for him to go to hell. That it's not good for him to be separated. That it's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to be labado. It's not good. It will bring him down to the pit. He needs a helpmate suitable for him. He goes on to say, When we connect this to the above passage, we find that God is making a blunt statement that it is not good for man to be without a family to lead with his authority. If we put it in the perspective of generalities, we discover that being alone is not only not good, but it's bad. Furthermore when we look at the life of Christ we are able to see that when he was on the cross being alone forsaken by all including his father he was the authority nailed and left forsaken deserted by all. Do you see that clear back from the picture of the garden God wanted Adam to feel desperate alone forsaken even as a workaholic he wanted him desperate why so we could have a bride suitable for him why was christ supposed to be left on the cross feeling desperate alone forsaken so he would desire a bride who's the bride of christ the church is that followers of Jesus the indwell believers people have the life of Christ in them that's the true bride so the enemy sitting back going no I'm not going to allow this to happen I'm going to deceive these people through clicking on that like button and getting them to exchange identities so the badness of demonic doctrines will inherit and they think that they're strong and able to withstand it but you cannot separate mud from a glass of milk if you mix them together. It can't be done. It corrupts the whole glass of milk. That's the point that's being made here. Complete separation has to occur to gain the purity of the gospel. The first Adam and the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ, of course, experience the exact same trauma of being faced with having no one to be at his side to be, at a, to be his helpmate bride of Christ both Adam and Jesus could not receive the gift of the bride until the initial work of preparing the way for their brides to be complete let's put this into perspective looking at creation and evangelism on the first day of creation God created light which translates out in the Hebrew as spirit, his spirit. The second day he created the sky, which translates out as heaven. The third day created the sea and plants, which translates out as living water or plants. The fourth day, light by day and by night, which translates out as spirit by day and night. I'm just giving you enough of the Hebrew coding for you to be able to see the gospel of Jesus Christ is in creation. It isn't for you. It isn't because God wanted to show you how special you are that He created you for His pleasure. That's only a small piece of it. The message is much, much bigger than you. The fifth day, we see that God created fish and birds which in the Hebrew literally translates out as the pathway of life, like a fish. There's something amazing about fish; is They always swim to a pathway of light, life. You see? The sixth day he created man, which means what comes from blood red dirt. Finally, on the seventh day, God rested, which translates out, What comes from the light is secured. It's done. It's finished. Of course, it's difficult to understand this passage without actually reading it from the pictorial Hebrew, but that is the basics. So here's what I want to show you. If you put the pictorial pictures together, it can actually read out like this. In the beginning, God created the Spirit, which comes from heaven. From this Spirit comes living water the life of the sun, which shall cause growth. This sun shall be a light unto a darkened pathway, then resulted from the fallen creature, the angel of darkness, Satan. It shall be that what comes from under the foot of this fallen creature, that God will bring forth his son's bride who will be birthed through his own blood. Once this mission is completed, what comes from the Spirit will be secured for eternity. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself why, in the Bible, that men are introduced as the son of? James, son of Zebedee. Jesus, son of Joseph. Joseph. Then later refer to Jesus the son of God. Why is this boring, boring book in the Bible of all the genealogies of man? Tribes, my friends. If you're not a member of a tribe that is selected for eternity, you will go to hell. And if some of you have let that blow by you, may the spirit of the living God swing it back around. Because if you're not in a tribe, a family, a marriage relationship that is secured by the boundary lines of the authority of God, you're going to hell. There's no such thing as independence and freedom in the family of God. He will only receive those who have received the structure of of the spirit, of heaven, of all the seven elements of creation, evangelism. Let's take a look at it's not good for man to be alone. You see this passage is not good for man to be alone, actually can be read as not good for Christ to be alone. When did God come up with this great idea to have Jesus Christ have a bride? Halfway through his childhood? Halfway through the Old Testament? At the formation of the world. At creation? From the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world? Before the foundation of the world, how far before? Forever. How far does East go? How far does the West go? When he says that he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west, how far is he throwing our sins away? Forever. So any man who calls to mind former things, ponder things of the past that have not been confessed as sin is trying to drag something that is pretty far away. When you are placed inside eternal life, when you receive the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, listeners, listen to this very carefully. If you are born physically into this world, which you were if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to hell. Unless something happens. Because my pathway, my fish, that is... Going, moving forward is driving my life straight to hell. I can't go past, go or collect 200 bucks unless something happens. What has to happen? has to be a great exchange. Did you know that my old man still has to go to hell? My old man didn't get saved from going to hell. I was given a brand new life because God extracted... Exchange took out my old man and put it on the cross. Sent that baby to hell. When Christ went to hell and He paid that penalty, it went with Him and gave me a brand new life. I was a part of a new fish, fisherman of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, fisher of men. You see, I was I was given a brand new life. Whatever is historically true about Christ in his past is true about me today. Whatever is true about Christ in the future, the book of Revelation, is true about me today. Because of this exchange, but my old man still has to go to hell. If you've been listening to preachers and teachers that have not been giving you the full gospel, simply getting you to follow Christ, all you're becoming is friends with the worldly church that is simply going to deceive you into thinking they're Christians. Because they're throwing Jesus' name around like it's some kind of stamped signature on the check of life. That's bad thinking. He also used this place of this fallen creature, Satan as we know him, to bring forth this bride in order to provide forever after discipline for him do you realize that the redemption process is torturous to Satan I don't know about you guys but I think that kind of stuff through often and to think that my redemption Stephen the redeemed put your name in there if you're indwelt by the life of Christ you're redeemed is torturous to Satan Because he spends his entire being lying to you from the moment your ears can hear sound. And he's lying and lying and lying to you. Then your parents lie to you or demonic doctrines are put on you and you grow up in lies, lies, lies. You think he wants you to get a hold of redemption and tribal living and family living, bridal living... Are you kidding? He needs you to become friends with the world. Because he knows it will be hostility towards God. And he or she is hostile toward God, becomes an enemy. Saved or not, you can be an enemy of God. From this darkness and formless domain, he brought forth life. And life abundantly. Keep in mind that darkness translates out as a place where there is no spirit no light you gotta put the logical common sense pieces together here God actually formed created a black box you ever heard Darwin's black box that's the only piece of that theory that's correct And in this black box, because I'm telling you, outside that black box, there is no darkness in heaven. The Shekinah glory of the living God lights up forever that way, forever that way, forever that way, and forever that way. But all for some miraculous reason, there has been this black box that has been created in all of what God is. And inside this black box, to God, it's probably even smaller than what I'm holding in my hands. In this black box, there was nothing in here. Then he takes and pulls together with his magnificent hand this formless planet, and he puts it in the center of this darkness. And locks it down. When Satan decided to remove himself from the tribal structure of the living God of heaven, he was removed from that light, that heaven, that domain of light, and he was placed on a formless planet that was put together by God. No life in it, no light, nothing, pitch black. And there is Satan. Bound to that little planet, Earth. And there he is. We have no clue how many zillions of years he was in that black box. We have no clue. And then one day, God decides to finish the project, to punish Satan. He's going to bring redemption, birth, the very bride from this dark place through redemption for his own son. He takes that formless planet and he breathes life into it. And from that life we have water and plants and all this beautiful life that comes out of darkness. Formlessness. Not only that, he starts putting stars, light to light to bring spirit to the bride of Christ in their dark times. And he gets it all done. He says, okay, I am finished. And it takes seven days. Someone please tell me how long a thousand human years is to God. Podcast listeners, listen this very carefully. You won't get the most significant golden key of creation evangelism. How many days to God mounts to a thousand years to a humanoid? One day. This black box, stay with me on this, guys, is not a long period of time for God. It's seven days. Seven thousand years is what we can clock in time prophecies pretty safely when is that 7000th year it's called the year of judgment a thousand years of human judgment years is one day of judgment to God so we're real close now stay with me now inside this black box We have stars, planets, solar systems. You know the whole deal that we're figuring out through our little telescope, going out there snapping pictures. We are basically snapping pictures of what God promised to do of light in this dark box. Then there comes this time when God actually turns off all of the lights. Someone please tell me what happens to the stars according to the book of Revelation. They're out. Someone please tell me what happens to the sun. Out. Now, God is reversing the very thing He did through His redemption process. Stay with me now. He followed the step-by-step procedures to extract his bride for his son. He filled the cattle yard up with billions of people. And then he hand-selected the quality members who were faithful to the end. That fourth and final requirement of true salvation. You think you got your salvation nailed down and locked down and you're one of the secured ones to the cross... I say, we'll see. We'll see if some demonic doctrine buys you up, sells you off, and sells you to the Antichrist. Because here's the deal. He's going to turn every one of those lights off. And then he's going to turn the sun off. And this planet that is no longer formless, that actually has life, he's going to... Reduce the effects of light, so with the waters turned to blood, poison will be in the plants. He reduces and moves it the opposite direction. It's all in the book of Revelation. You want to talk about what the rivers are going to taste like? Do your organic studies. Try to reform the earth back to its original position. It's a joke. Because it shall reverse the process back to this final moment. Lights are out. The only light that is left on this earth is fire from the core of the earth. And he's going to snap open that core and out of those billions of people who were birthed and 90% of them going to hell are going to be tossed in there after judgment. And there's a place called the pit which is beyond hell. It's the core of hell. And he will be put in there separated from his own followers. That's hell. The pit of hell. And that's where he will be. Completely separated even from his own followers. Then what does he do? You read it yourself. Book of Revelation. He takes this planet It's already snapped open. The core, the only light is the fire of consequences of sin is coming up through the earth and he takes the earth and this is a quote unquote listeners. He takes the earth and he throws it out into outer darkness. Bam, bam, bam. Done, finished. Nothing will ever enter that black box and nothing will ever get out. There's nothing in that black box. This is creation evangelism. There is nothing in that black box but this burning planet that houses every one of you who became friends with the world. That's what's in that box. Everyone who was hostile toward God that sold their life out to Satan in the end. Every single person who who defies the structure of the tribe of God shall be placed in that black box now stay with me everything around this black box is pure light like in this room everything forever that way that way that corner that way everything is light there's no darkness outside this box Darwin, you're almost correct. I buy into your black box idea. All of you scientists who have been supporting Darwinism, I buy into your black box. I agree with you 100%. You just didn't take it far enough. Cuz that block, black box is going to stay out there. Pure darkness. No lights, no solar system. Just this planet burning, constant, like you masons call the eternal flame. Yeah, you and I both know what you're talking about. It's not heaven. It's a black box. Your grandma and grandpa are probably in there. Maybe. Relatives back, as far as you could think of, are in here you might be in here. You see, there's only one way not to be in this box. And that is to be transposed, translated, transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Why is there so much freedom out here? Because of light. So also remember that God put into place the lower heaven that was pitch black with darkness, it needs to be further noted that the upper heaven has no darkness, which helps us conclude that in the beginning God put a formless, lifeless planet in a black box, the universe, without any light in order to punish this fallen angel. Since he's called the angel of light, he turns his lights out on the end. Outside that black box is what you and I know to be the dwelling place of God, the place of light. He then places the solar systems in this black box and then contains stars, suns, and planets. And this was done for two reasons. To remind humanity that God will provide light spirit in the midst of darkness. And secondly, was to establish the message to the earth, earthly father of, of Hebrew, Abraham, with a prophetic projection of the number of descendants that shall come forth from his seed which reveals to us that from God's seed of righteousness he shall produce many bridal members for his son when it's all said and done when those two people in this room are going to be dead by this time next year that's all that matters that's all that's going to matter when you get on the other side am I or am I not of the tree of life that's all that's going to matter. Is he or is he not my husband? Did I or did I not sell my life out to Satan? You don't have to be a rock star to sell your soul to Satan. Believe me. It can be a slow corrosion. Here's our diagram we pull up from time to time. The Old Testament is a son with his father. The doctrines of his marriage are being... Put in place. His childhood. The groom prepares for his bride. This is a setup right here. The son sent by his father for this bridal relationship. His ministry, which was three and a half years long. How long is the reign of the Antichrist? Seven years. Seven years. First three and a half years is peace. Second three and a half years is hell on earth like you've never seen it before. He is mimicking, mocking this three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. Then there is the cross. The death of Christ. salvation is the engagement permitted phase from his son to his bride. He is actually committing to engagement with us. His 40 days on earth is the public announcement of that engagement. That's when Jesus' half-brother, James, four brothers, remember in our friendship sermon series, four brothers didn't even believe in Jesus. All four brothers and his sisters didn't believe in him. Something happened to James in this 40 days. Someone remind us what happened to James. He realized what his brother taught his entire childhood was absolute truth. When he saw his brother walking around in his glorified body in those forty days, he went, Truly, my brother is the son of God, not Joseph. Tribal. That tribal connection is what sealed James' salvation. James went on to write the book of James. James. His nickname was Camel Knees. He became the most offensive follower of his brother in that generation. Because he kept revealing demonic doctrines. So he got one of his brothers out of his whole family believing. His mother believed and James ended up believing So where are these other brothers and sisters? Are they in heaven? Because they were Jesus' brothers and sisters? Probably not. So then we have the New Testament living. Father prepares the bride for his groom in the second coming. And then the uh, Christians in heaven, indwelt Christians in heaven, that is the groom, consummates the marriage. There's a great wedding feast. Wonderful things happen. And then this new earth. And I know that a couple of my friends are really, really big into the reconditioning of the old earth. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense to me for God to redeem this earth and have people who have been tormented by hell for eternity underneath my feet on this new earth. Well, this one gentleman that I was in a discussion with. It paralyzed him. He didn't even know what to say about that. I said, where are these people who went to hell if he redeems this earth? He couldn't answer it. I said, are they or are they not in this black box? Is God lying to us? Or is this new earth a brand new planet? I say it's a brand new planet. I don't like the idea of theology of thinking that there are dead souls underneath my feet burning for eternity. I just don't seem to be this, the God that I serve. This is done outer darkness and it is outer darkness. New earth is given to us, new life. The bright is brought to this planet. To live in light and life in Christ Jesus. Here's our identity matters statement. Most assuredly then, the vision of the indwelt Christian's uh, social life must be that of going into the world, preaching the gospel to all of creation. That's Mark 16:15. It should not be to gather friends on some social network to shout, shout out self-proclaimed opinions, Or to get along with people who are difficult. Or develop strong and lasting friendships. Or simply to love on others. It should be to get the word of God to spread to the entire world. Why should we do this? So that each person can be a part of one and only social network. And that is the body of Christ. And it is best news that Jesus Christ in his Father's love offers forgiveness for sins gives a new life, that new life being in the indwelling life of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit of promise. Through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, he provides all these benefits upon means of personal repentance, his choosing and touch of faith. This life can be inherited. And finally, you actually you can think of something that matters more in life than that simple mission if God was so intent on putting it in creation, that black box was clearly spelled out in Hebrew. In Book of Revelation, that black box is clearly spelled out in Hebrew. And what is the most common rejected knowledge of the scriptures today? It's pictorial Hebrew. I don't believe that's accident. As soon as you have people depend on a dictionary, constantly changing the terminology behind that dictionary. Thank you online listeners for listening today. We're going to turn the podcast off so that we can go to our local questioning and answering. But if you do have a question that needs an answer, I would certainly be willing to dialogue with you through the scriptures to come up with an answer for you. Please log on to the